Welcome back to Encounter with God here on Faith FM and we have another clue for our quiz because nobody has yet snapped up the quiz. I mean, it is a pretty hard one. No, it was dead easy. No, it's, come on now, Lyle. Those clues are so obscure just because you got it right. Uh, 1-800-324-843 is the number if you know the answer to the clue question. Oh, man, that jellyfish juice is coming back up in my throat. Okay, <laughs> what? Has been sitting here. She has not been drinking jellyfish juice. Never mind, the jellyfish are safe so you and know, sound you know, and still swimming in the river mouth. She has just been drinking juice that smells like a river mouth. Yes, yeah, so you know when you go down to the beach or Tidal any sort flats. of body of water and the, fl- the tide's out and it stinks? It tastes exactly like that stink. Yeah, well, you will drink <laughs> seaweed. You will get anemic when you're in Africa. Okay. okay, clue number three for what book am I? Gideon's call by God to deliver Israel from the Midianites is found in this book. Gideon's call by God to deliver Israel from the Midianites is found in this book. Mm, give us a call if you know the answer. The number is 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. You can text the answer if you prefer, 0491-064-669. And today's prize, of course, is a copy of The Breakfast Book by Sue Rad. Really great book, um, Discovering the Power of Breakfast. So not just about why breakfast is important and it breaks all down the different sort of, you know, um, ingredients and the, and, the, and the different parts of uh, your diet that you need to be getting into your breakfast, daily breakfast. It also has a whole bunch of recipes, as you can imagine. So it covers things like, you know, whole grains and cholesterols, cholesterol and cereals and even has a section here called What Causes Constipation? Uh, improve your memory, become more alert, combat stress, beat the blues, breakfast and brain function. So many things that you wouldn't realize were connected uh, to having a proper breakfast. There's a bit on diabetes. So really, really, really great book. I'm kind of thinking of keeping it for myself. Can I pretend to call up and be someone else and get the answer the prize? And, of course, uh, there's even a, a breakfast section for weekend breakfasts. So you know, weekend breakfasts is a bit more like, you know, gourmet, sort of a brunch, sleep-in, breakfast in bed. So there's stuff here like... Uh, uh, Asian bean sprout and cabbage frittata for the weekender section. Okie doke. So that's our uh, prize for today. And if you know the answer, you know what the number is. 1-800-324-843. Give us a call. Send us the answer through. This is one of the most significant prizes that we have have ever given away here on Faith FM. Well, Mon, time for our encounter with God. Yes, indeed. What have we got coming up today? We are talking all about change. So last week we were talking about the power of choice. Now we are dealing with what happens when change. So cycles of life, obviously, as you go through various cycles of life, uh, things change. And change, probably the most uh, constant thing about life and the most regular thing about life is the fact that life changes. How do you deal with change? There are some examples in the Bible of people who dealt well with change and there are examples of people who dealt terribly with change. So we need to look at some of these examples. Let's begin. Ooh, I've got three different stories for you to look at. Mon, you choose which one you want to uh, use to illustrate change. We have 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which talks about the experience of the Israelites in the wilderness. So we have Israelites in the wilderness, Ananias and Sapphira, Sarah and Hagar, or uh, the sons of Zebedee. Oh, let's go to the sons of Zebedee. The sons of Zebedee. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through 22. La, would you say that you are a person who thrives on change or a person who doesn't really like change? You know, it sort of cuts both ways. I think generally speaking, I tend to be a stick in the mud 
Okay, yeah. I do tend to lean that way and it's like, yep, I'm quite happy to not change, just keep doing this. But then I get to a point where I'm like, I know I need change because I'm just not working at my full capacity right now. And if I get a bit of a break, if I have a bit of a change, then that will bring me through to full, full capacity. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it sort of cuts it a little bit of both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are some changes that I look forward to and I love. You know, if you go on holiday, that's a change. Yeah, it's who a good doesn't, change. Who good doesn't change. love going on holiday? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, there's some changes that I hate. Moving house. Yeah. <laughs> I detest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More than just about anything else, but that's less in about, the whole wide world. That's less about you know going somewhere great, somewhere new, and more about um, just the the process of packing up one's house and moving, right? Because if, you, yeah. if you're going somewhere wonderful and lovely and much more amazing than where you are now, it's a good change, really. Just yeah. painful to make it happen. That's right. It is indeed. Anyway, um, let's go to let's go to uh, where are we? Matthew chapter twenty, verse twenty to twenty-two. Matthew twenty. Okay, Matthew twenty to verse twenty-two. Yep, uh, Matthew twenty, verse twenty through twenty-two. Okay, gotcha. Yep. All right. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He said. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. Okay, so what was it that um, that the the mother of the sons of Zebedee was, or Zebedee, Mrs. Zebedee was asking for here? Uh, she is trying to wrangle uh, some good positions for her sons, mm-hmm. trying to put in a good word for them. Yep. Not sure if you could call this nepotism, but she's certainly angling in that direction and uh, trying, yeah, trying to. Levitate? No. Leverage? There you go. Thank you. Her sons to a higher position. Okay, so she's looking at uh, where Jesus is heading. She's assuming that Jesus is going to set up a kingdom on earth. Uh, She is uh, sort of looking to the future, looking to the future of her sons and saying, hey, you know, these guys are well qualified. Uh, Were they well qualified? Uh, were any of them really well qualified? <laughs> Other <laughs> than Judas, <laughs> <laughs> Judas was probably the only one who yeah, was well qualified. Judas had his tickets, didn't he? He, he did, had his qualities. <laughs> when you look at the others, you think, "Why did Jesus start a new world religion with these guys? They're just uh-huh. a bunch of fishermen." Motley Crew, yeah. Um, Motley Crew, and you know, you go through the history of each one of them. You know, and and these ones here, the sons of Zebedee, of course, they were also called the sons of thunder, mm-hmm. which means that they had just a horrifically bad tempers. Yeah. And so probably not so well qualified, but Mrs. Zebedee, you know, she's a typical mum. She saw no fault in her children. And so she's like, yes, no, these these are the ones that you need to have on your right hand. And this was a common discussion amongst the disciples, you know, who would be greatest in the kingdom? Who would be sitting on the right hand and on the left hand of Jesus Christ in the kingdom that he was about to bring to this earth? And, of course, you know, they completely missed the whole thing of what Jesus' kingdom was really all about and what it was that he was trying to establish and where his kingdom was going to be. And so, you know, there's a whole lot of change that you can look at here. You know, you've got Mrs. Zebedee who's calling for change in relationship to her sons but not realizing what it is that she's actually calling for because Jesus comes into his kingdom when he's crucified and, yes, there was somebody on his right and somebody on his left, but you did not want your sons to be there. no, definitely not. Definitely not because they were being crucified they were being executed okay so um we uh yes do you think do you think the sons put her up to it or she just did it over her own accord 
Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where the disciples were, you know, they were discussing backwards and forwards, and, you know, this was a this was a uh, a discussion that they often had, one that, I don't know, did it get back to the mum that maybe they were lagging behind the others somehow, needed a bit of extra support? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mummy yeah. was going to step in and fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Mama's boys. Some mama's boys right there. Yeah, and so there's there's a whole bunch of, you know, she wants change for her sons. Jesus is bringing change to the world. Um, there is a change coming that she is not aware of. It's the wrong kind of change. She doesn't know what she's asking for. And so it's probably, yeah, what, what, what was the major mistake that, um, that you think that she was making right here, the biggest of the mistakes? I said, oh, is it maybe just not realizing what the scriptures and what the uh, prophecy is actually saying? Lack of study. Yeah. 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 Yep. She's she's looking at a symbolic prophecy, giving it a literal interpretation. And I guess a little bit greedy as well. Sorry to jump in there. Yes. Bit greedy, bit selfish. Okay. So there's some lessons to learn here. And that is when change is coming or the opportunity for change is coming, don't always just, um, you know, follow your own greedy desires. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because that might not be what the, is the best idea. It might not be the most uh, healthy thing to um, to focus on. Okay, so while we're talking about change, um, we can uh, continue on in our Bible study. And the next area of change is that we're going to look at is preparing for marriage. So we're going. Wow, to you've been through this. Yeah, I can. I can share with you some uh, some probably some hints on this one. Yeah, I'd love to know what you did to prepare for marriage. It's it's one of the biggest changes that anyone will ever face in their life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so in preparing for marriage, um, we need to um, we, we need to look at uh, you know how does a person prepare us for, for for marriage? What are some of the critical traits that are important for all aspects of life, but are you know especially important for us? Let's go to First Corinthians thirteen. Verse 4 through 8. This is going to be the most overused verse when it comes to anything wedding. First Corinthians. Yes. Has, have you ever been to a yes. wedding where this one has no. not? No. Yeah, I think it's always... Even in non-Christian weddings, they have this verse. So they don't even realize where it's from. They've just seen it like on Pinterest or something, so they want it on their wedding. And it's always First Corinthians 13. All right. But verses 4 through 8, there's some very, very relevant uh, yeah, if you're not sure what here. if you're not sure what First Corinthians thirteen is, it's basically known as a love chapter, and it has some really, really, really great great verses about love that are often quoted on inspirational, you know, boards that kind of thing. So, uh, if some of this sounds familiar, it's actually from the Bible. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Okay, so we've got um, the, the the love chapter here. What are some of the traits here? Well, could you could you summarize all of these traits into one major trait um, that is critical for uh, preparing for marriage or even looking for in a life partner? 
sum the whole thing up into into one like couldn't just say love is love because that's like yeah yeah there's this what kind of love are we talking about here uh, what do you mean? What kind of love? Are you talking about the agape kind of stuff? Yeah, okay. Maybe my, my, my question is too obscure. Um, let me put it this way. What I see coming out here is a very selfless kind of love, mm-hmm. a self-sacrificing love. Well, when is love not self-sacrificing or selfless? A lot of people get into relationships to fulfill their own needs. Is that really love then? And this is a really valid question. Uh, but, you know, you think about your single friends or you think about some of your friends who uh, have recently got married and what you'll notice is that a lot of them have very deep-seated needs mm-hmm. and they are trying to get into a relationship to fulfill those needs and, of course, that is a selfish form of love. That's a selfish form of relationship and, as you say, is that really love? Um, you know, that's a, a, a quite a, quite a challenging question. You know, in, in, in many ways. But I think the lesson that really stands out to me is that if you are getting into a relationship to fulfill your needs rather than to fulfill the needs of somebody else, then you're in the relationship for the wrong reason and you're going to struggle and that relationship is not going to go well for you. Okay. Some sage advice. No. And, and that's really what I see coming out, you know, in this whole passage here, you know, because there's so many different traits here that we could talk about and we mm-hmm. could spend a lot of time talking about it. But there's, if I, if I was to summarize it, it would be selfless love. Okay. You're getting it, you know, getting into this relationship to be a, and it's like our relationship with God. It's like our connection with church. Do we go to church um, to be blessed or to bless? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you go to church to bless, then you will get a lot out of church. If you go to be blessed, you'll get very little out of church. Um, if you go into a relationship um, to be blessed, then you'll get very little out of that relationship. And, but if you go into bless, then you'll get a lot out of that relationship. And I guess, you know, in many respects, all of us are somewhere on a spectrum because we are human beings. And as human beings, we are um, imperfect. Yeah, absolutely. And because of that, you know, we're somewhere on the spectrum. And we need to be as far on the spectrum of selflessness as we can possibly be. It's it's funny because I would have just thought selflessness was another word that you know would have described love. Because you know, since here, love is patient, love is kind. I would have said you know, love is selfless. Yeah. But you're like wrapping it all up and saying the whole thing describes selfless.ness No. Yeah, okay. Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-two and twenty-three. Galatians five twenty two and twenty three. What do you got for us there? It says one page back. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. There is no law against these things. That's really cute. Uh, fruits of the spirit. That is, and it's um, actually the backdrop of my phone. Oh, there you yeah, go. Fruits of the spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. So what are the out of the fruits of the Spirit, what are the ones that when you look uh, at a potential life partner, Mon, would you say are the most important out of that list that we're given right there? Uh, what? Yeah, which Can ones would be, which one would be, yeah, but there must be some that might stand out more than others. It's funny because like, like when I read through this kind of stuff, I don't think of other people. I'm always thinking of myself like, oh, man, I need to fix that. Oh, man, I've got a pothole here and a pothole there. So I'm not, I, I rarely ever think, hmm, he's got to have this and he's got to have that. I'm always like, yeah. And, and that's very relevant because it you know, really ties in with what we were talking about last week where we were talking about 
um, the you know being the right kind of person right, before you find exactly. the right kind of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even still, if you look at somebody, and if we look at this list right here, there would be some certain characteristics that if they were missing in their life, it would probably be a non-negotiable. Non-negotiable, I would imagine. So you know, the Bible says meekness. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Um, against such there is no law. It says in my translation here. Uh, when you are looking at somebody, what are some of the what 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 would be some of the ones that would stand out to you more than others? Well, you'd have to have love. I mean, what's yeah, yeah. What, I, I think I think love, love is that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that one uh, goes without saying because that's the foundation of a relationship. It's what a relationship is all about. Um, my fellow's going to be very very patient. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some 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 patience is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, dose of that, but you know, you look at you look at something like joy. Mm-hmm. Would you want to you know be married to somebody who's suffering from depression, for instance? Yeah, it's actually really important to me. So um, the the joy aspect, I ne- I guess I wouldn't ever necessarily thought about it in like a capacity. Say the guy that I you know that I'm interested in has to be joyful, but I definitely think of it in the flip term and say, and I would say. I would want someone who's not depressed. Yeah, yeah, yep. and and, uh, and and of course, if you uh, if you are somebody who's listening today and you're struggling with depression and you're suddenly depressed because you're thinking, well, I'm single and I'm depressed and I'm never going to find anyone <laughs> because I'm depressed and it creates a vicious circle. You do need to know that depression is one of the most curable diseases Absolutely. that there is in the world. It is very much a lifestyle disease, and we have David Stojic uh, here in the Newcastle region with his um, um, programs that he runs on a regular basis. That mm. has just you know incredible results in curing depression. And if you're listening outside the Newcastle area, please just jump online, look up Neil Nedley Depression Recovery, and get yourself um, yeah through that program, and you'll you'll see some amazing. It results is as well. the best program anywhere in the world, the world yeah. for dealing with depression, yeah. dealing it for, with it through uh, through natural means, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, very very powerful. Okay, so what about peace? Yes. How important is that? Yeah, it is super important. I, I don't like argumentative people, so which sounds funny because I work on radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of sitting here looking at you, Mon. You do not like, I know you do don't know, like argumentative people. Have we, have we ever argued on the radio? Yeah, but do you know, <laughs> we've um, we've created good radio. Let's just say. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I do know I care. A lady came up to me and she was like, "Do you know what?" Because I told her I worked in radio, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you know what you need to do to be good on radio? You need to giggle and argue." <laughs> And I was like, does cackling and ranting count? Because that's all I got. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I actually don't like you. Know, you mean when we were like those people who are kind of like lawyers or something and they just love to argue for the sake of arguing? Oh, I can't stand that. It's the worst. Rather be at peace. Okay, so we've already covered long suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentleness. How big on your, uh, how, how far does that, how far high up does that yeah. scale? Yeah, I don't like cruel guys. Oh, so you, you you contrast gentleness with cruel? Yes, I do. Okay, what that's do you contrast it with? I'm just trying to think what I contrast it with. I almost contrast. You know, I to, sometimes to me, this contrasting would, it helps me understand it. Yeah, yeah, because to me, I look at it and like I'm not a gentle person because I'm an active person. You know, oh. and, and often things that uh, I'm passionate about, I pursue aggressively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because of that, I wouldn't see myself as a gentle person, but I don't see myself as a cruel person. I hate cruelty. Yes. I hate suffering in in any way, shape or form. I just absolutely, totally detest it. Well, I'm going to jump in before we go to the next song. I just announced the fact that we have a winner for our prize for the quiz this morning. Congratulations to Kumar from Fullerton in South Australia, who has snapped up 
our uh, copy of the breakfast book by Sue Rad by correctly answering the what book of my breakfast Bible quiz. Uh, the correct answer, of course, was Judges. So congratulations, Kuma from Fullerton in South Australia. We'll be sending you a copy of the breakfast book. And, uh, of course, you know the rules, Kuma, don't you? If you win any sort of a recipe book from the breakfast show, you got to make something for it for Lyle and I. So <laughs> we're looking forward to getting something for breakfast from you. Enjoy that book. We'll out soon. Don't worry about everything around you, everything around you. And don't freak out if you don't feel me beside you. Just look up, I'm reminding you to sing a new song. And let the rain clouds cry their tears of joy And dance all around you Though a thousand may fall And death may surround you I have brought you here Sydney Wolverton with Bought You Here on Faith FM. And uh, the, 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 the prize has been snapped up. We do not have another clue. Uh, Kumar from South Australia has uh, snapped up the breakfast cookbook. So congratulations. And we are back into our encounter with God. Yes, indeed we are. Okay, so we were talking about change and we were talking about uh, characteristics that you look for in a life partner and, of course, characteristics that you need to have in your life if you are going to be a life partner. Um, let me see here. We got up to gentleness, goodness, just all around goodness. What's your thoughts on that one, Mon? Sounds good. 
Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> faithfulness. That's very important. Absolutely. That very, has to be very, 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 yeah. very important. Because you want them to be faithful to God, you want them to be faithful to you. I think what I should do, mine, is make a list of these and get you to rate them as to how high they come on your list. Ooh. Or are they all just going to sit at a 10? Yep, yeah, probably. Find the perfect, <laughs> a perfect guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, temperance. How important is that? Yeah, that's important too. Yeah, so like important. somebody who um, drinks food. alcohol, somebody yeah. who smokes. No, none of that, none of that. Non-negotiable. No. And I think that's a very good point. I think that, uh, you know, if somebody is dealing with any of these kind of intemperate habits, then you need to look elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Self-control is really important because the last thing you want to be is in a relationship with someone who has um, addictions to anything really, video games, pornography, any sort of a drug or narcotic, anything at all, like it's it's just going to be bad news. It's going to be heartache, heartache and pain. That's what a relationship with a person with addiction has. That's right. Okay, so the next part of preparing for change, uh, the next big change that people are going to make in their life is when, after they're married, when children come along. So preparation for parenting and the Bible gives us a number of different examples here. Uh, let's see. We've got Samuel, Samson, John the Baptist. Which one do you want to look at? Samson. Samson. Let's go to uh, Judges chapter 13 and verse Ooh, 7. Judges speaking I of. Samson. I think this is Samson. Let me just We've check. given it away if we'd still, if Kuma hasn't had an answer to quiz. Ooh, yeah, we, indeed. Indeed. Samson's chapter what now? Uh, ju- yeah, Samson. Sorry, Judges. Samson <laughs> the book of Samson. Oh, it's Monday. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I'm suffering from a bit of Monday-itis this morning, I must admit. Okay, uh, 13 verse 7. What have you got for us there? Judges 13 verse 7 says, But he told me, You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. For your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from this moment of his birth until the day of his death. Okay, this is, this is actually a very significant passage um, in relationship to healthy living. Yeah, very much so. All right, so there are two things that she is told that she cannot do. What are those two things? Uh, she can't drink wine um, or any other alcoholic drink and not eat any forbidden food. Okay, so know that, notice that alcohol, any alcoholic drink, is placed in exactly the same category as forbidden food. Mm, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because there are those who say that, you know, certainly, you know, Jewish people were not allowed to eat pork under any circumstances whatsoever, but that they were allowed to drink alcohol in moderate proportions. Mm. But here the Bible places alcohol in exactly the same category as forbidden food, places them side by side. These are two things that, you know, are forbidden to you as a Jewess and you are to abide by them, you know, particularly during this pregnancy. Do you think God knew what he was talking about when he told her not to use alcohol during her pregnancy? 100%. I mean, modern science tells us now that, you know, alcohol fetal syndrome, any single drop of alcohol in that fetal stage can absolutely damage your baby. It yeah, is going absolutely. to. Da- any drop of alcohol is going to damage your baby and every drop that you drink is going to damage it more. So this is just this is just another example of God's love that He was protecting, um, you know, civilization from way back then, telling us, you know, you you don't know it, you don't realize it, but don't drink, especially when you're pregnant, because it damages your unborn child. And that God totally knows what He's talking about. Absolutely. 
uh, what's this, three and a half thousand years old, something like that. Yeah. Um, some advice that has been around for a very, 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 very long time indeed. And of course, you know, if you go to uh, the story of Samuel, if you go to the story of John the Baptist, you're going to find exactly the same thing. In fact, let's go over to Luke chapter 1. And, you know, we're coming down at least, uh, you know, 14, nearly 1500 years of history here. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 6. Let's see what it says over here. Luke chapter 1 and verse 6. Has anything changed over that period of time? Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. Okay, verse 13 through 17 now, please. Says, But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Okay, so there's something there that I really want us to focus in on, and that is that what the Bible says about when he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean when you say he'd be filled with the Holy Spirit? It says he'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, from before he was born. So before he was born, how is that a question? It's just self-explanatory, isn't it? It's self-explanatory, yeah. but it is um, an important point. I guess the question that my mind, that goes through my mind, Mon, is that when it comes time for you to have children, what will you do to ensure that your unborn child is filled with the Holy Spirit? I think the most important thing is to be yourself filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. And any mother out there can Because it passes through that. the placenta. <laughs> no, but it, I, I think that's exactly what it's all about. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, I often think that we, you know, we pray for our children after they're born that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But how many of us pray for our unborn children that they are filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, yeah, true, isn't it? You know, it's something we often don't think about, but something that I think that, uh, yeah, if you're expecting um, at this time or if your uh, partner or spouse is expecting, then here's something to pray about. Pray for your unborn child. Pray that your un- unborn child is filled with the Holy Spirit in the same way that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born. Now, of course, what does this then say about, um, and we're getting slightly off topic here, but what does this then say about when a person becomes a person. That's a very good point. You know, because from the moment of inception, conception, I should say, uh, from the moment of conception, if those you know a couple of cells that are being you know coming together right there can be filled with the Holy Spirit, does that mean that it is not a person? You know, we think about you know you can have you know different countries have different laws and different states have different laws as to when a baby becomes a person and when it can be killed or not. Which is crazy because the Lord obviously treats it as a person because he's. Having the Holy Spirit dwell within within the person, then how is it not a person? Yeah, that's right. If this is a being that can be filled with the Holy Spirit, then this is a person. There's no question about whether it is, uh, you know, a, a life or not. It, it simply is not the case. Anyway, uh, let's.
let's move on. Next stage of life. We're working through the stages of life here, kind of, oh, we don't really have enough time to get into another stage of life. The next stage of life, of course, we're going to look at is preparing for old age and some of the things that we need to do in preparation for oh, old age. Oh, Lyle, this is your stage. No. <laughs> This is something I know nothing about because I have done no no preparation for it. No, oh, really. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm I'm hoping to live long enough to become a burden to my children. <laughs> You're horrid. Yeah, you know. See, it's, it's, it's when you get to old age that you get to uh, you get to have revenge. You know, you look after them for the first twenty years of their life. It's like okay. Guys, your turn. Maybe we can have some of our listeners call up and tell us what they did to prepare for old age if they want to call up and admit that they are old. <laughs> we won't hold it against it. We love hearing the wisdom of the wise and the elderly. Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843.
part of camping caravanning scene? Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02-4994-3220 or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au. Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio.
Welcome back, guys. That was Torin Wells with Noon here on Faith FM. We have come to question of the day time, and question of the day is coming from the book of Daniel, so I'm super excited about it. Yes, it's all about vegetables, which we love. We love vegetables, don't we, Lyle? Yes, and some people here love seaweed. <laughs> I do actually like seaweed. I, I don't know that seaweed is a vegetable. It. Of course it's a vegetable. It tastes like fish. <laughs> that doesn't make Tastes like fish. raw fish, like stale fish. Have you ever eaten raw or stale fish, Lyle Southwell? I have eaten stale fish. When you eat fish out of a can, that is stale fish. <laughs> that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Anyway, question to the day. When I used to go fishing. We used to catch our fish and have them in the pan within five minutes of cooking, catching them, and that Ugh. was the best fish ever. When the worms were still wriggling. Anyway, this have question. worms in them. Fish have worms in them. That's why they're so dangerous to eat. We didn't eat ones that had worms in them. We you don't know that. Worms. You don't know that. Daniel 1 verse 12. Daniel 1 verse 12 says, Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. The question that's coming in is, what does this verse mean and what's the purpose of it? Okay, this is a really good question. So let me give you a little bit of background, a little bit of history. Daniel 1 and verse 1, the Bible says that in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Bible says the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. What you have here is a conflict between Jerusalem and Babylon in which Babylon wins. And so you know that this book is going to be a picture of the great controversy between Christ and Satan, because when you go to the book of Revelation, you find exactly the same picture. You have Jerusalem versus Babylon, and you have these direct parallels between the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. You know, when you come to chapter 3, for instance, you have an image to the beast. You've got Revelation 13. You've got an image to the beast. Um, you've got conflict over the law of God in chapter 3. You've got conflict over the law of God in Revelation 13. You've got all of these parallels. And what we find is that the same issues that were important issues in the time of uh, the book of Daniel are issues that will be important issues at the end of time. So what was it that was actually taking place right here in this story? Daniel and his friends, four of them are named Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're all named. They are taken as captives into the land of Babylon. The reason that they were selected was because they were from you know noble birth. They were you know descendants of royalty or nobility. They were well educated, and this was Nebuchadnezzar's policy. Whenever he conquered a nation, he would take the young men who were well educated. He was creating a multicultural society. He would make them a part of his kingdom. He would enrich his kingdom with the knowledge that he had and, of course, with the training that he would give them. So they've been marched all the way from Jerusalem. That's a long journey. Uh, you cover a lot of desert in that journey. Um, you would go through a lot of hardship. They've been marched across there as slaves. You know, the bread of affliction, the water of affliction. You know, bread and water is about all that you get. They arrive in Babylon. They are expecting that Nebuchadnezzar will treat them in the way that, you know, previous Babylonian emperors or previous uh, empires have treated their, 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 their captives who are of, you know, noble descent or royal descent or whatever it might be. And that is, you know, have a big ceremony, have a public execution. And, you know, this is the general expectation of what they should be facing. But instead, in contrast to that, 
Nebuchadnezzar gives orders that they are to be enrolled into his university and they are to be fed with the very best food that the empire can provide, food cooked by his very own personal chefs. Now you can imagine that Nebuchadnezzar as being the, you know, emperor of the world at this particular time would have had very good chefs and as you know with wealthy people wealthy pe- here's something interesting the wealthier people are the grosser the things they they eat have you noticed that yeah it's so true isn't it uh-huh you know poor people uh you know we were we were in ethiopia where you know it's a, a developing country and people eat very simple wholesome food uh in developed countries everybody dies of lifestyle diseases primarily because of the terrible things that they eat. And so you can imagine that this would be a food food that was, was, was very refined. It was very rich. Um, it was very heavy in uh, meat products because that's pretty much the diet that you're going to... And, and, of course, the drink would have been alcoholic. That's the diet that you're going to find amongst wealthy people. And so Daniel and his friends are faced with this. This is what they have to you know, to, to deal with at this particular time. And so there's a large group of Jewish people who have been brought to brought as captives to Jerusalem, but just these four, they say, no, we're not going to eat the king's food. That's extremely offensive. You know, when you when you insult somebody about the food they have provided, that's really, really offensive. And of course the the, the person, Melzar, who is in charge of them, he's like, I get my head cut off for this. And they're like, no, don't worry about it. Just test us for 10 days. Give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Okay, if you are eating a vegetarian diet, as they choose to do right here, what you find is that you cannot eat any forbidden foods eating a vegetarian diet. There are no forbidden foods amongst a vegetarian diet. And so when food is being brought out and they have no idea what is in that food, then um, the safe way to go is to eat vegetables. When you drink water, of course, you know that you're not drinking anything that is alcoholic. And so they've gone on to a very, very safe diet. What they have also done is gone on to the perfect diet to come off a starvation diet. Now you've got a bunch of 17 to 19 year olds um, who are captives here. You put, you know, all of this rich food in front of them as you would, you know, that Nebuchadnezzar would do. They're coming off a starvation diet. And for any of you who have teenage boys in your home, you know what the result is going to be. They are going to fill themselves up. And of course, they're going to fill themselves with food. It's going to be heavy food. It's going to be refined food. There's going to be alcohol available. And that's the worst possible dietary scenario to come off a starvation diet. It is no wonder that within 10 days, Daniel and his friends were looking incredibly healthy. And of course, um, the others were looking incredibly unhealthy. Uh, because of um, you know the, the kind of diet that they were on at this particular time. And so this worked from a physical perspective. I believe that God blessed them because of their obedience, and I believe that their obedience is a type for our time. Very quickly, I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 66, and I'm going to read for you in Isaiah chapter 66, because the Bible says that this test will be the same at the end of time as it was in Daniel's time. We were looking at the parallels between the two chapters earlier. Um, Isaiah 66, the Bible says in verse 15, For behold, the Lord will come with fire with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire, or by 
by fire and his sword. The Lord will judge all flesh. The slain of the Lord shall be many. So, you know, a general description of the return of Jesus Christ. Followed by those that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the middle, eating swine's flesh and the abomination and the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. And so the Bible says that uh, diet will definitely be an issue at the end of time, as it was in Daniel's time. We're well out of time. We're going to move on. This is the Lesser Light Collective with Boys in Babylon. Seeking out permission from the chief who thought it odd He said I could lose my head but Daniel said then you can watch me And he asked for ten days with only veggies on his plate Trial soon over and they made evaluation Daniel and his band would represent the Hebrew nation Judges all agreed they made a finer presentation They were handsomer and smarter than the other boys at school Think about the story now and let it be a learning You think rejection's coming yet it's true respect you're earning But ultimately favor of our God the greatest yearning And hearing his well done who really cares about what's cool Daniel That was the Lesser Light Collective with Boys in Babylon Interesting here on number. Faith FM. Yeah, yeah, very unusual. Anyway, what have we got for the uh, giveaway at the end of the day, Mon? We well, are well, well, well. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, we have a... Story of the Three Wells. <laughs> the story of the Three Wells. You think you're funny, don't you? I'm hilarious. Mm, you have yeah, no idea. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so uh, we are giving away a really great CD. So we talked about in the interview today uh, with our happy hands. We're talking about creativity. We're talking about kids. This is a music album that's created by kids. So creative kids getting together, uh, making music. This is a wonderful kids Z. Kids by kids. Music by kids for kids. That's right. Well, actually, do you know what? It's not just for kids. I listen to this album and I love it. Oh, there's some grandparents on here too. Did you just call me a grandparent? No. 
I'm not old, Lyle. Anyway, it's an album called For Such a Time. So you're asking. Kids songs for this time. Uh, it's 14 new songs, different artists. It's been compiled by Carly Fetcher, who we often play her music on our, on our station. And uh, this is a really great album. Uh, 14 different new songs. Really great stuff. Got stuff on there. I, uh, by, let me have a look. Okay, so Braden there's some Ellis, kids. We should say there are some kids on here. And, and her bead, uh, and her bead in Molly yeah, Fong and Sandra Entman. Um, the Newcastle Samoan SDA Junior Choir, who we Their had kids. sing live on Those our shows. But some of these are like like Carly Carly's song on here for such a time. It's her with kids. Yes. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So this is a great song uh, to sing. It's great for kids to listen to. It's great to listen to even if you're not a kid. But for such a time, kids' songs for our day and age. Give us a call now. If you'd like a copy of it, 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. It's 1-800-324-843. If you would love to cultivate creativity in your children, this album is a great place to start. And, of course, if you have, to ha- if you have the album, then you don't have to be waiting for Faith FM to play your favourite song from the album. You can play it whenever you want. Because, of course, we will play this on occasions. But don't forget that, uh, as we remind you every day, we love you to study the Bible. And if you want to study the Bible more, just give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and we can make that happen for you. But also don't forget that if you are getting a poor signal where you are, and sometimes when you're driving in your car, you drive out of signal, then you need to get the TuneIn radio app. Make sure you get the free version of it. And you can simply listen to Faith FM online, run it through your Bluetooth or your auxiliary cord, and you will have a perfect signal from one side of the country to the other.